I think people will die this year out here. I really do. The dangers of living on the streets after an underground homeless camp catches fire in downtown Vancouver. It's always dangerous if motorists are not careful. Two drivers charged for killing an exchange student on the Caribou Crosswalk nearly a year on. Oh, shit. Holy crap. <laughs> and get ready to pay more at the pump. The price of gas has just gone up and it's not over. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Well, a dramatic fire in downtown Vancouver, yet another sign of the dangerous conditions facing people living on the streets. The fire sparked yesterday in an underground homeless camp. Today, the reality of how much worse it could have been only just starting to sink in. Jill Bennett reports. This is all that's left of a camp where 15 to 20 people had been living underneath Cordova Street on West Waterfront Road. It started in the first place right in the frontier. It's bad. Very bad. On Friday afternoon, black smoke was billowing from the underground roadway. SkyTrain service was suspended for a short time while fire crews responded. These kind of places cause us a lot of concern as a fire department. There's limited access in and out of them. Um, they're quite cluttered. Uh, there's poor lighting, obviously, and there's open flame. We had uh, small, small uh, propane burners, but we used, but that was usually out in the open here, not in the tents. That's Jay, one of the camp's residents, who didn't want to be identified. He says he'd been there for about five months. In a statement, the city of Vancouver says just a few days before the fire started, members of the homelessness outreach team, as well as Vancouver police and fire, paid a visit to this camp. They did a general safety check, and while there was no immediate risk to life, they did have safety concerns and told the people living here they had just a few days to pack up and move. But where will they go? More and more people are camping in city parks and as the weather gets colder, there are concerns for their safety as well. I think people will die this year out here. I really do. And it hurts my heart. I might be one of them, I don't know. For many homeless people, returning bottles and cans provides a source of income. Orville, can we set you up with a hot dog? On Saturday, this depot gave back, offering a hot meal and warm clothing free of charge. We see new people every year that are coming in that we haven't seen before, coming in, grabbing bags full of clothes, so definitely there's a need for it. It's an indescribable experience to be outside, in the cold, in the dark, in the wet, when absolutely everything is shut down, there's nowhere to go, there's nobody to ask for help. No one was injured in this fire. Crews say that was lucky, but fear as winter sets in, they will see more hazardous camps like this one. Jill Bennett, Global News. And we're just getting some breaking news in about a fire that's damaged a low-income building on the North Shore. West Vancouver firefighters were called to 1495 Esquimalt Avenue around 3 o'clock this afternoon. They found one suite on fire but quickly managed to put out the flames. The cause of that fire is being investigated. There is speculation, though, that Christmas decorations uh, are to blame. A neighbour says several other suites may be damaged. When they washed out her suite. I think it went into some suites below that, so there may have been damage to other people's belongings. Uh, as far as I know, nobody was hurt. So I'm grateful for that. 
A driver has been charged after a hit-and-run crash in North Vancouver that sent one person to hospital. It happened at about 8 o'clock last night on Lonsdale Avenue and 5th Street. The victim was treated and released from Lionsgate Hospital with minor injuries. Police say the driver left the scene but was found later along with a vehicle and now faces a charge of hit-and-run. Two men are now facing charges nearly a year on after a young Brazilian exchange student was struck and killed in Burnaby. As Kristen Robinson now reports, the teen was tragically hit at a notorious crosswalk that has seen several safety changes since. Even with a pedestrian-activated light now installed, signs of the dark past at this Burnaby crosswalk still linger. Well, it's always dangerous if motorists are not careful, you know. They have to drive with care and they have to ensure that they watch for pedestrians crossing. This poster still seeking clues in the January 20th hit-and-run that sent Amancio Hernandez to hospital. Three days earlier, 15-year-old Fernanda Giroto was struck in the same crosswalk on Caribou Road near the Highway 1 overpass. The Brazilian exchange student did not survive. How many lives? had to be put in danger for them to take action. Giroto's death, the third collision in four days last January, prompted safety changes to slow down traffic. On Monday, 11 months to the day she was fatally hit, two men are set to appear in court, charged with driving without due care and attention. 46-year-old Paul Wong, also accused of failing to yield to a pedestrian in a crosswalk. 58-year-old Kai Man Chu also charged with unsafely passing on the left and crossing a solid double line. Leticia Funes still waiting for the driver who hit her husband to do the right thing and come forward. A black Dodge Charger caught on dash cam fleeing the scene. Meantime, Burnaby councillor Pietro Calendino urging pedestrians to be vigilant. Traffic light is not going to save your life if you don't watch for cars. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And some more breaking news coming in from police in Vancouver. They are investigating a shooting this evening. Officers were called to East 53rd Avenue and Prince Edward Street just after 5 o'clock this evening to reports of shots fired. When they arrived on the scene, they found a man in his 30s suffering from gunshot wounds. He was rushed to hospital with undetermined injuries. At Vancouver Police telling Global News this appears to be a targeted incident. No arrest has been made yet. Uh, get ready to pay more at the pump gas prices in Metro Vancouver have just spiked. They are predicted to go up again tomorrow. Our Paul Johnson joins us from Vancouver with more on the pain we'll be experiencing at the pump. Paul? Sonia, here's the cruel irony of this. If you've been paying attention to what's been going on in the oil patch in Alberta, you know that the industry there has been battered by low prices because of a worldwide glut of crude oil. But here in BC, drivers are facing a 17 cent per liter hike in the price of gasoline before the end of this weekend. The reason for this has been the unexpected temporary shutdown of the Olympic pipeline in Washington state that moves gasoline from the refineries in Cherry Point to many of the stations here in the Lower Mainland. An 11 cent increase, which will push us up to the $1.48.9. Now some stations may hold off uh, and wait until Monday. But either way, you're looking at a very short-term blip in prices uh, that's going to have quite an impact if you don't gas up today. It's more expensive than the U.S. and a lot cheaper than in Europe. But 17, 
what always strikes me about Canada is the prices jump, you know, very suddenly. It's no good. Honest to God, build a pipeline. I want to get those prices down. Okay, one bit of good news. This isn't expected to last that long. They think they're going to get the supply problem sorted out pretty quickly. We may see some relief in the prices by about midweek. Sonia? Yeah, I like how you're making it sound like it's not too bad. There's some good news on the horizon, but it's going to be painful. Thank you very much for that, Paul. There is. All right. Uh, in other news tonight, in Prince George, police are investigating after a man was shot and killed last night. This happened in the 700 block of Johnson Street at about five o'clock. A 30-year-old man was rushed to hospital after being found outside a home with a gunshot wound. He died a short time later. No suspects have been found so far. Police believe it was a targeted attack and are asking anybody who might have witnessed what happened or has video to get in touch. And Victoria police say a man who was intoxicated has died after climbing the Johnson Street Bridge. He fell into the water below. He had climbed the railings of that bridge and lost his balance. Several people tried to direct him to swim to safety. There were officers who also arrived minutes later to try and help him, but the man didn't survive. The BC Coroner Service is now investigating. Now, if you were preparing yourself for a windstorm in Metro Vancouver last night, you'll know that we did have a very lucky escape. But other parts of BC are still under a wind and snowfall warning today. Yvonne Shal has got the details on that one. Yvonne, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, we're starting to track the rain already across the island. We will see both wet, wet weather in the form of rain, rather, and winds, especially along the south coast and interior sections along the mountain passes. We are looking at some snowfall and a significant amount for a few areas. As we pull on out on the satellite and radar, we've got to that system that is going to push right along coastal sections. The following areas is where we're seeing the wind warning in purple for the central coast and along the northern tip of Vancouver Island, up to 100 kilometers per hour. Western sections could see gusts of up to 100 and southern and eastern sections near Victoria, a southeasterly wind with up to 70 kilometers per hour. Most areas along the south coast will see the winds through this evening and tapering off by the afternoon. Also, a rainfall warning for Howe Sound with up to 70 millimeters by tomorrow and in the northern half of the province for Haida Gwaii winds of up to 120 kilometers per hour. We've got a snowfall warning for areas near Stewart 10 and up to 20 centimeters. Snow for the mountain passes. I'll have more on that coming up very shortly. Sonia. All right. Thanks very much for that. We will see you a bit later. Now with the windstorm we were expecting it was Seattle that got the worst of it. In fact the U.S. West Coast was hit hard especially. Here's Kathy Park. This Washington ferry ride almost washed away. Oh my goodness. A 30-minute trip across the Puget Sound took much longer when strong winds and waves gave riders a show and a scare. One man holding on, dodging the waves. These Pacific storms a triple threat with 60-mile-per-hour winds, up to 30-foot-high surf, and continuous rain through Wednesday. North of Seattle, a state of emergency as whipping winds pull down power lines and trees, crushing homes, even playgrounds. In eastern Oregon, a semi blown over, blocking the interstate for hours. And in San Francisco, a high surf warning as folks are told, stay away from the water. The force of the water is going to be so strong that it could actually suck a person into the bay. Still, the world's best surfers on standby. 
guys and girls are flying in from all over the world. The Mavericks challenge only happens with a massive swell, giving new meaning to the Wild West when you add extreme weather. Kathy Park, NBC News, Los Angeles. The yellow vest protest movement that has been going on in France has been spreading to some cities in Canada, including Vancouver. A handful of demonstrators wearing the now iconic yellow safety vests were out in front of City Hall today. They were wanting to draw attention to a range of grievances they say are connected to globalism. Some want stricter regulation of Canadian banks to protect consumers in the event of another financial crisis. Others are saying they're upset about what they say is a too lenient immigration policy. There's a lot of people that come to our country and, and, and contribute to our country that come here legally and through the proper channels. And there's a, a lot of people just coming in the back door, so to speak, and we don't think that is fair. Prince Rupert is under a boil water advisory that could last for more than a week. 12,000 people living in the port city on BC's northwest coast were issued the advisory following a year of extreme weather. Officials say unacceptable levels of two parasites have been detected in water samples. Locals are told to boil water for at least a minute before drinking. The parasites have been linked to infections, including so-called beaver fever and symptoms to look out for include vomiting and diarrhea. Now, there's only 10 days left till Christmas and a reminder that holiday roadblocks are in full force throughout B.C. This is what West Vancouver police came across just after two this morning. The force putting out a tweet about an alleged impaired driver pulling up to a roadblock while driving on this rim. The driver is now dealing with a 90-day immediate roadside prohibition and the Volkswagen's been impounded for 30 days. Welcome back. Well, the anger is growing after a seven-year-old migrant girl who was picked up by American border officials has died. She had just received her first ever pair of shoes when her and her father set out for a new life in the United States. Her death highlighting the chaos over Trump's crackdown at the Mexican border. A father climbing over a fence and crossing into the U.S. from Mexico with a baby in his arms. His family is just one of thousands who say they have no other option but to risk it all in the hopes of a better tomorrow. Our lives are at risk and that is why we decided to flee, to risk crossing to the other side, she says. Migrants' plight is back in the spotlight after news broke that a seven-year-old died while in Border Patrol custody after crossing into New Mexico with her father. Officials initially thought Jacqueline Call McKean was healthy her father soon made them aware she was sick and vomiting. By the time she received medical attention, about 90 minutes later, she had stopped breathing. EMTs revived her twice, and she was airlifted to a local children's hospital where she died the next morning. Jacqueline and her father came to the United States seeking something that thousands have been seeking for years. The U.S. government is declining to take full responsibility. It's heart-wrenching is what it is, and my heart goes out to the, the family, uh, all, of, all of DHS. Uh, you know, this is just a very sad example of the dangers of this journey. Does the administration take responsibility for a parent taking a child on a trek through Mexico to get to this country? No. The journey from Central America to the U.S. border is a dangerous one, 
Between 2008 and 2017, 3,654 people have died. But even so, record numbers of migrants continue to be apprehended at the border every day. Our border patrol stations and ports of entry were built to handle mostly male, single adults in custody, not families or children. Over the summer, the U.S. president was heavily criticized for separating migrant children from their parents as part of his zero-tolerance policy. And now Trump is threatening to shut down the government if he doesn't receive funding for his border wall with Mexico. The government says it has launched a federal investigation into Jacqueline's death, and U.S. Customs and Border Protection is also conducting its own review of the incident. Inez de la Quatera, Global News, Washington. Newly released surveillance footage shows the moment of impact in a high-speed train crash in Turkey. The train crashed on Thursday morning, killing nine people and leaving more than 80 injured. Three rail workers have been detained and a criminal investigation is now underway. Rail workers' unions have criticised the government for cost cuts, poor maintenance in recent years. Visitors were evacuated from a zoo in the UK after a fire broke out there. Thick black smoke and flames shot out from the monsoon forest habitat at the Chester Zoo. Firefighters were able to get a handle on the blaze, but not before the roof of the enclosure was destroyed. The endangered orangutans and other mammals are safe, but some birds are still missing. British Prime Minister Theresa May is in the political fight of her life as she tries to sort out the country's exit out of the European Union. The big sticking point is the Irish border backstop. Bill Neely tells us why. Angry and humiliated, Prime Minister Theresa May confronting European leaders after failing to win a deal she can sell at home. A Brexit deal to take Britain out of Europe. The deal breaker is here in Ireland, what will be the new land border between the UK and European Union. Once it was a battleground, until peace in Northern Ireland made it open and free. The violence here claimed three and a half thousand lives. And there is a real fear here that a chaotic British exit from the European Union could rekindle conflict. They're afraid here of a so-called hard border, militarised by Britain with checkpoints. You put up physical infrastructure that people can protest at, or God forbid somebody can attack, the genie gets out of the bottle very quick. The genie of violence. Yes. The border here is invisible. I'm now crossing from Ireland into the UK. Easy. And that's the way people here wanted to stay. Today already I was across the border maybe five times. You've been across five times today? Yeah. And that's perfectly normal? Perfectly normal. Reimposing it would be tough. This church is in the UK, the graveyard's in Ireland. In one border village where dead gunmen are memorialised, a threat if Britain forces a hard border. I would say let's go back to war. For now, though, Brexit just means one thing here. It's a mess, like it is just total mess. A mess from here to Britain and its beleaguered Prime Minister. Bill Neely, NBC News on the Irish border. 
Russian President Vladimir Putin is declaring a war on rap music. In a meeting with his cultural advisers today, he says they must find a way of controlling it rather than banning it outright, because that will only make it more popular. He said he was especially concerned with drug themes in rap, saying it's a path to degradation of the nation. Rap music is growing in popularity amongst uh, Russia's youth. The Russian president's comments come during a crackdown on contemporary music. Oh, Putin with the moral compass there. Huh? <laughs> Interesting. I know. All right, we've got uh, sport coming up in Barry uh, in a second, but we'll talk about. Should we talk about the windstorm that like didn't happen? Like it was that uh, we were we all like it when you're wrong it. like that. In this but, sense, yeah. yes, yeah, absolutely. It's a lucky escape because we thought it was going to be bad. It was a bit of a switcheroo. Yeah. Instead of us seeing it here, uh, those in Washington ended up seeing it, and it was very uh, damaging for many areas, and hundreds of thousands of people were without power. For us, though, we're still tracking another storm that is pushing in. We're already starting to see some rainfall warnings I showed you at the top of the show. But over the next uh, 24 hours or a little bit, uh, across Metro Vancouver, it's going to be rain through the day tomorrow. A range up to 20 millimeters for most areas, higher amounts along the North Shore Mountains. The winds are going to pick up, especially if you're near the water. But if you're traveling along the mountain passes, we do have some snowfall to talk about. So I'll have those numbers coming up very shortly. All right, brilliant. And uh, also in sport then, mm-hmm. Canucks. Canucks are in action tonight against the Flyers. It's been a pretty good week for Vancouver. Three wins and an overtime loss, so seven out of eight points. Uh, November was a very tough month on this team. Lost a lot of games, had a lot of injuries, but they're healthy again, and I think they're feeling pretty good. They, they should beat Philadelphia. The Flyers uh, kind of a very similar record, but aren't playing well, so we'll preview that one uh, coming up. Welcome back. While the presents are ready and under the tree at Covenant House, over 80 volunteers spent the morning filling Christmas backpacks with, uh, I do apologise, we are going to go back to that story a bit later on. Let's uh, talk about the city of Kelowna right now. They are trying to crack down on a large number of uh, roadside business signs. As Global's Jules Knox now reports, uh, they are trying to cut down on visual clutter. Some might say this is an eyesore, sign after sign lining Kelowna's main thoroughfare. Others say it boosts business. Well, it's difficult to see our awning from the highway there, so it's good for us to have it out there so people know where we are. Chantel Watson's family-run business is a hidden nook in a strip mall near Harvey Avenue, and she says the portable sign outside is important advertising. Definitely would not have as many customers as we do right now without it. But the city wants to crack down on these signs. It's proposing a fee hike of 600% for a three-month permit, the price jumping from 50 bucks to $350. That's the issue. Some business owners arguing that this is unreasonable, but the city says fees haven't gone up in 20 years. It's another cost of government. It's just another thing that makes it tougher to do business. The city is suggesting cash from higher fees could help pay for another bylaw officer to police the permits, and that inspector would also keep a close eye on licensing for cannabis businesses and short-term rentals. There's far more pressing issues in the city. I mean, there's issues with homelessness, there's issues with small theft. As for people in the area, they're largely supportive of the signs. They probably pay enough rent as it is. They have a hard enough time when this is kind of tucked off by the highway, so they... I feel like it should be affordable for them to be able to advertise. As for Buchanan, he's reaching out to hundreds of businesses in the city, hoping they'll band together to lobby council to cut the fee hike. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. 
All right, let's now tell you about what's going on at Covenant House. Over 80 volunteers spent the morning filling Christmas backpacks with uh, much-needed items like sweaters, underwear, socks, as well as gift cards and goodies. Over 300 backpacks are ready to go. Uh, they will be given to homeless youth 24 and under who access services at Covenant House. Christmas time can be a rough time for a lot of people and if you're a young person experiencing homelessness it can be um, pretty hard so we try to bring some fun and joy into their lives and we want them to have a present to open on Christmas morning or if they're not staying with us um, in our in our in-home programs then they'll have a nice Christmas party on Monday with a big full dinner and have that nice Christmas present to open. Welcome back. Well, search and rescue crews across BC are gearing up for a busy winter season and are asking you to be smart when planning your adventures. Backcountry experts are reminding the public about how to explore the great outdoors safely. As always, the message is to get the proper training, take the right supplies with you, and if you're going out of bounds, tell someone where you're heading and when you plan to be back again. When I'm on resort, I usually break a few of the rules, to be honest, but yeah, I, I, I should probably start doing it safer. Um, once you hit the backcountry, you're in the wild, and you're totally on your own, and you're fully responsible for what happens out there. Rescue crews at NBC are called out to an average of 1,600 incidents every year. That is more than anywhere else in Canada. All right, let's get a check in on your weather now. There's quite a few warnings out there. Yvonne has got all the details. Yeah, we got some active weather, especially across uh, coastal sections where we are going to be looking at wind and wet weather in towards our Sunday and early into next week. A beautiful shot, though, of the Vancouver Christmas market at Jackpool Plaza this evening. We're seeing dry conditions out of the airport with the temperature sitting at 6 degrees, but a northeasterly wind at 20 kilometres per hour. We can see that tower cam shaking right now. Today, though, temperature is mild. We bumped up to 8, slightly above the average for this time of the year that sits at five degrees and here's a glance at some of the current winds that we're seeing out of house sound sustained at 50 but gusts of up to 56 kilometers per hour Tawasin with the gust right now at 37 and areas near tofino at 48 comox with a gust of 63 kilometers per hour and the winds will pick up this evening and continue in towards our sunday a glance at the satellite and radar we've got a heavier pocket of rain now across the western sections for the island that'll push across metro vancouver it'll be heavy at times for the overnight a snapshot once again of the warnings that we are seeing. Rainfall will be for house sound of up to 70 millimeters by tomorrow. And it's a southeasterly wind, uh, um, gusty at times, especially along the western sections, all the way in towards the afternoon tomorrow with the potential of up to 100 kilometers per hour. Windy, though, this evening for, the, for Haida Gwaii, but it'll ease off by the overnight. And the snow will continue for areas near Stewart through your morning hours, then easing off towards the afternoon. Future cast into play, we can see that snow pushing in overnight, heavy at times for tomorrow along the mountain passes and a few of the numbers and what we're anticipating the higher amounts uh, will be for the Kootenai Pass with up to 20 centimetres the Sea to Sky 5 and up to 10, most areas near the Coquihalla and Allison Pass, a range between 4 and up to 8 centimetres the piece tomorrow, very chilly, especially for the morning hours, the wind chill at minus 20 it'll be dry for Whitehorse but the wind chill also into the minus 20s for the early morning hours and continuing to see it into the minus T for the afternoon. Along the coast we do have some instability with the risk of a thunderstorm. Inland sections is where we've got a snowfall warning for areas near Stewart. Caribou
Caribou and Central Interior, it'll be wet snow changing over to rain. Gusty winds tomorrow up to 50 kilometres per hour. Columbia and Kootenay region will also see those winds ramping up up to 40 kilometres per hour. The Thompson Okanagan will see that transition, the snow level rising to 1,200 metres. It's rainfall and we could see some wet snow in the mix just for the morning hours. Whistler, we've got up to 5 centimetres, an additional amount for tomorrow. Rainfall warning is for areas near Howe Sound. It'll stay as rain for Squamish and areas along the island, southern sections uh, near Victoria with the wind warning southeasterly up to 70 kilometres per hour. Our five-day forecast across Metro Vancouver. A soggy day tomorrow. We'll see it windy near the water, tw- up to 20 millimetres for most areas. It'll be quite wet into early next week, but mild. That'll be the silver lining with temperatures up to 9 degrees. Beautiful shot for a weather window this evening. This was sent in from Rosemary and taken today in Pitt Meadows. Sonia? Nice rainbow. Thanks very much for that, Yvonne. Now, it's something skiers on Whistler Mountain have been used to for decades. There's one gondola ride that gets you up to the Alpine in a matter of minutes, but on neighbouring Blackcomb, a journey of the same length took a series of chairlift rides and more time. Well, that has all changed this weekend with the opening of a new multi-million dollar gondola just in time for the holiday season. Nadia Stewart reports. A special song by Squamish Nation commemorates a historic moment for Whistler Blackcomb as the resort reaches new heights. It's a state-of-the-art gondola, highest capacity gondola in North America, among the most state-of-the-art lifts in the world right now. Now we've got towers in place. This new gondola, part of a $66 million investment, cutting down on weight and travel times, increasing capacity by way of three lifts at Whistler Blackcomb. We started with Emerald. Then we opened Cat Skinner, two new lifts, uh, one on Whistler, one on Blackcomb. But this is really the big piece that kind of puts it all together. It's a project that's been in the works since 2016, back when Vail Resorts first announced plans for a multi-million dollar investment. Initially, that included a water park, but that idea was shelved and the gondolas rose to the top of the list. Winning the approval of those keen on seeing improvements. Really, it's much faster than waiting in line for a second chair, and it's much nicer to be inside than out in the cold. So far, it looks good. It's faster than it was before. Looks like it's going to take away from congestion, and we're looking forward to having more skiing here. More time on the mountains, just in time for the holiday season. Nadia Stork, Global News. All right, Barry's here with all your sport. Good to have you back, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Wait a little while. Good, you could join us, of course. Uh, good evening, everyone. Thanks, Sonia. Uh, Canucks hope to continue their role tonight as they kick off a five-game homestand versus the Flyers at Rogers Arena. Canucks are 3-0-1 in their last four, and they will get Adam Gaudette back tonight. He missed the last game with a butt of the flu, lost about 10 pounds, but he's gained most of that weight back. Eric Goodbranson could also return after missing uh, Thursday's game in Nashville with back spasms. It is a busy week for the uh, club, five games and eight nights before the holiday break. Feel good. Feel really good. I'm real excited about tonight. You know, it sucks uh, missing games, but you know, uh, came down with a bug. Nothing you can do. But I'm um, feeling back to normal now, and I can't wait to get out there. Did it take a fair bit out of you? Yeah. You know, it was, it was tough, especially on the road. Uh, you know, wasn't eating that much, and you know, I'm somebody who tries to, you know, uh, be real careful with my weight. And you know, it's it's tough to take a hit like that. But you know, I'm just doing everything I can to get that weight back on. And, you know, ready to go tonight. Uh, I think our last game wasn't our best one. Uh, we talked about it and uh, hopefully get back uh, like from the three games we played before a national game because 
I think we played good in those three games. Uh, it was a great road trip for us, um, you know, confidence-wise, and and uh, I thought we played some pretty good hockey. And um, you know, it's it's nice to get. Uh, you know, five out of the six points coming back home. I know it's going to be, uh, we got a lot of tough games coming up, so. Um. Let's play hockey. All right, NHL today, Bill Peters, Flames in Minnesota. Calgary's on a big roll. They lead the Pacific, first period shorthanded, but they block the shot. Two on one the other way, Mark Jankowski to Mark Giordano, and the captain zips it upstairs on Devin Dubnik. Giordano, one of the best in the league, one nothing Calgary after one, second period. Wild are going to tie it. Jordan Greenway around the net comes up firing, beats David Riddick short side. They have tipped off a flame and in, but nevertheless, it's a good goal. 1-1 after two. To the third, still tied. Flames on the rush. James Neal dropping to Matthew Kachuk, and he snaps in his 14th of the season just inside the far post. That is the game winner. Calgary is 11-2-1 in its last 14. They lead the Pacific by five points. They're tied for the conference lead with the Winnipeg Jets. Leafs and Panthers from Florida. The stands mostly full of Leaf fans, which is not surprising. Second period, Florida up a goal on the power play, and they get another. Jonathan Huberdeau rips the wrister past Frederick Anderson. 2-0 Panthers, but the Leafs... Get one back in the third. Jake Gardner's point shot deftly deflected in front by John Tavares. That's number 20 for Tavares. The Leafs' moms are on the trip. They dance with glee, but they are down 3-2 late in the third. Habs and Senators, Canadians currently in a playoff spot in the East. That maybe comes as a surprise to many that they're still in contention uh, into December. Second period tied at one. Mark Stone behind the net to Mikkel Bodker. Beats Carey Price. 2-1 sends. But the Habs have had a big third period. The Finnish rookie Jesperi Kotkaniemi with his fourth. Fires it off the post. Off the goalie and in. They've added two more. Canadians are up 4-2 in the third. The Vancouver Warriors are hoping a fresh start will change the fortunes of Vancouver's National Lacrosse League teams, which over the years has frankly been a disaster. The Warriors, purchased by Canucks ownership, moved the team from Langley to Rogers Arena. They play their home opener this Friday, but tonight they began their regular season in Calgary against the Roughnecks, and we've got some early highlights. Warriors have turned over a lot of their roster that was part of a 2-16 Vancouver stealth team a year ago. Aaron Bold in goal. Warriors First ever goal goes to Keegan Ball, 1-0 Vancouver, now 1-1. Logan Schuss, one of the few returning players from last year, fires it in, 2-1 Vancouver, now 3-2 off the faceoff. This is a uh, planned play, obviously. Justin Salt moving in, bounces it in. That made it 4-2, but Calgary's come back. They're just starting the second. It's 4-4 in Calgary. Once again, the Warriors' home opener next Friday at Rogers Arena, also against Calgary. Welcome back. Well, barring a complete collapse, the Seahawks are playoff bound. They can clinch one of the two NFC wildcard berths tomorrow with the win over the sad sack 49ers. Give the Seahawks credit. Not many picked them to be playing in January, but they are one of the best teams in the NFC right now, and they should make things official tomorrow in San Francisco. More from Chanel in the red zone. The magic number is now down to just one for the Seahawks. All they need is one win in the final three games, and they will clinch a playoff spot. And it doesn't get much easier than this weekend against San Fran, a team the Hawks haven't lost to in five years. But the 49ers are coming off a win and look to play spoiler against their divisional foe. 
The Seahawks keep on trucking when it comes to the run game. 214 yards on Monday night on 42 carries. Chris Carson leading the way again. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Seattle racked up 168 yards on the Niners, who are number 12 against the run. Now, despite the win, Russell Wilson wasn't sharp, averaging a pathetic 3.6 yards a pass. Now, he faces a defense dead last in the NFL with just two interceptions this season. You could say the Legion of Boom is back, starring new faces. The Hawks have given up just 23 points in the last two weeks, and 13 of them coming in the fourth quarter in garbage time. A couple of defensive scores, five sacks, and an interception. Now Seattle is number six overall, giving up just over 20 points a game. And in their last three meetings versus San Fran, this defense has surrendered an average of just 13 points a game. George Kittle is San Fran's best weapon, over 1,100 yards receiving and is coming off a monster game. 210 yards on just seven receptions versus the Broncos, but all of those yards coming in the first half. Now the tight end was effective two weeks ago versus Seattle, six catches for 70 yards. Nick Mullins has thrown for almost 750 yards in the last two games, four touchdowns, but turnovers continue to haunt this team. 26 tied for third most, including three versus Seattle. And the Niners are minus 21 in turnover differential, worst in the NFL. Seattle is favored by six points and has won 10 straight and 12 of the last 13 meetings. And the Hawks have never lost at Levi's Stadium. Two NFL games on this Saturday. Houston Texans at the Jets. Texans can clinch a playoff spot with a win and some help from other teams. First things first, Deshaun Watson airing it out for DeAndre Hopkins. Great adjustment at full speed by Hopkins. Makes the catch. 45-yard touchdown, 16-9 Houston at half. But the Jets hung tough. Took the lead in the fourth. Elijah McGuire with a little bit of help from his 300-pound friends. They push him into the end zone. Touchdown Jets. They lead 22-19. But with just over two minutes to go, Hopkins shows why he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Another fantastic catch. The game-winning score. Texans go to 10-4 with the 29-22 win. They can clinch the division title tomorrow if the Colts and Titans both lose. Meanwhile, in Denver, Browns and Broncos. The 6-7 and seven Broncos still with an outside shot at the playoffs, but they need to run the table and get some help. But first quarter, it's the Browns who strike first. Baker Mayfield to the end zone for Brashad Perriman. 31-yard touchdown. Browns lead 7-0, but the Broncos respond. Case Keenum doing it himself here. Scrambles in for the one-yard touchdown. That tied it at 7 It's 10-7 now, Denver late in the second. English Premiership, Man City hosting Everton. City coming off its first loss of the season last week versus Chelsea. 22nd minute, Leroy Sané with the through ball to Gabriel Jesus, who finishes nicely short side with the left foot. 1-0, Manchester City. 50th minute, same combo. Sané with the cross into the box. Jesus with a powerful header. 2-0. Man City. Everton did get one back, but in the 69th minute, Man City ices this thing. Fernandino to Raheem Sterling. 3-1 the final, so Man City back in top spot, but Liverpool faces Man United tomorrow morning, and with the win, they would go back into first. Harry Kane and Tottenham sitting third, facing 17th place Burnley. No goals until stoppage time. Kane lays it off for Christian Eriksen. 
rescues all three points for Spurs, who are solid third in the standings at 39 points, five points back of first place Man City. A little rain in England there. That's shocking. That's shocking. It never rains there, <laughs> yeah. does it? It's like here, barely ever. <laughs> Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler with nine new centimeters of snow. Grouse with a base of 111. Cypress 57. Sasquatch opening to be determined. Revelstoke with a base of 144. Fernie 121. Manning Park with 14 new centimeters and Whitewater with a base of 138. Big White and Sun Peaks both with a base of 101, Silver Star 123. Kicking Horse and Powder King with 33 new centimeters of snow and 20 new centimeters of snow for Mount Washington. All right, finally tonight, you know that um, electronic dinging sound you get? Uh, with your car when you leave the lights on or you forget <laughs> to take the key out. And there's a car maker that thinks that uh, things need to be changed up. Take a look at this. To hear Detroit's world-class symphony orchestra, you used to have to come here. But now all you need for a front row seat is a front seat. When you get into Lincoln's new aviator, instead of those annoying electronic dings, you'll hear more melodious alerts. We've talked about it for a long time. What could we do differently? Right. How could we elevate it, make it sound more elegant? It's almost a joke. Oh, we should just call the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, see if they record something for us. And they said yes. They did. Did you ever think that you would be playing chimes in a car? <laughs> uh, never. Detroit's principal percussionist, violin and viola, were tasked with composing a completely new soundscape. And welcome to your vehicle, but you left your door open. That chime then gets shorter to draw your attention to it. Oh, that's such a nice way to tell you that. It's a friendly reminder. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to what a car sounds like, it turns out nothing is overlooked. In Ford's soundproof test lab, technicians check every inch of a vehicle. It's every switch, it's uh, what the doors sound like when you open them and when you close them. And at a time when smarter cars are communicating more and more... How they sound is taking on new meaning. For now, it's a chime, but someday self-driving cars may have fully customizable soundscapes, perhaps played by more of the world's top musicians. Do you guys get royalties every time I leave my lights on? <laughs> Still waiting for that free car. <laughs> a car playing a concerto. Who knows? It may be right around the corner. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, Detroit. And why? Makes him want to leave your lights on, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you just want to listen to this to kill the bell. Right, just keep doing yeah, it? Yeah. Easier than putting on a CD. <laughs> that's why I think the sound has to be annoying, so you shut it off as fast as, well, as, fast yeah, as you that's can. True. That's right, true. All right, all right. Have a quick look at the weather uh, before we go tonight. Well, we are still looking at the rain that's uh, picking up, uh, developing and continuing. It'll be soggy for the day tomorrow, up to 20 millimeters for most areas. Windy, especially if you're near the water. Wind warnings, though, along the island and coastal sections. Monday, a mild one, but we're still looking at rain fall into early next week. All right, you thanks, could have like your wife nagging and say, hey, you left the lights on again. Something like that. Yeah, I would make you. You probably wouldn't get into your car yeah, in the first place. Right? Your husband. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for watching. Good night. <laughs> Annie, I'll